All right. Well, family, this is the beauty of live radio, totally unscheduled. Moments ago, I got a message from uh, Michael McLean. That name rings a bell to you, I'm sure. Uh, he has been uh, the person who really is at the center of a lot of the controversy that's been uh, swirling around the Corporation of Hamilton and the waterfront lease and now the Parleville parking lot aspect, uh, which is a separate uh, project apart from the waterfront lease. Uh, Mr. McLean now has come, just come into my studio right now and asked to sit down uh, with us, and we're more than happy to accommodate him right now, live. This was unscheduled. He uh, just moments ago contacted me and said he was in the vicinity of the station and asked if we could accommodate him, and certainly we are more than happy to do so. So that's why, family, I did not uh, let you know that he was coming simply because this is uh, totally... <laughs> Uh, out of the blue. So having said that, right now live in studio with me is developer Mike McLean, who's at the center of uh, a legal dispute with the Bermuda government over a couple of projects, and then also um, really has been the topic of discussion in, in terms of particularly the uh, $18 million that, uh, that was partially removed out of an escrow account. So welcome, sir. Morning, Sherry. Oh, good afternoon, Charlie. Sherry. All right. Good afternoon, And, uh, wow, this is such a surprise when you, you reached out to me uh, this morning uh, to say that you wanted to come on to just clear up a couple of things, uh, particularly over the last couple of days when it's surrounding the Parleville uh, aspect of the discussion that's been surrounding the Corporation of Hamilton. So let's, let's start with the, uh, with the escrow account itself. Let's start with the, what was the purpose of that escrow account? Well, it was something that was agreed um, reluctantly by us at the beginning um, to deposit the funds that were drawn down from MIF into an escrow account at the Bank of New York Mellon to safeguard the funds um, for you know, any particular purpose, that the funds be placed somewhere where you know, it could be supervised and watched until we, we reach senior funding. Interestingly, there was conditions in that escrow agreement that allowed us to release the funds, obviously. And um, it has been said, you know, in the, the newspaper article, for, for example, that we had to meet certain criteria. Um, but in that article, it doesn't, or, or, I mean, I think it's deliberately left out that not only could we have released the funds via this $100 million of, of, of equity and $225 million worth of debt, but also it was solely at the discretion at the Corporation of Hamilton. We fought vigorously, my legal team and the Corporation of Hamilton, to have that condition put in there because if it wasn't put in there and we were not able to meet that requirement, simply the lender would have loaned us money. They took their fees and interest right off the top and the taxpayer would have been liable for this $5 million of, of interest and fees that came off up front, sorry, $2.5 million, and they would have not produced a loan to us. And we fought vigorously. I actually made or drew a line in the sand towards the end of the negotiations and told them that if a condition like that wasn't put in there, I would walk away and risk the amount of money that I had invested, which was hundreds of thousands of dollars at that time, if we did not get that condition. Because I felt, honestly, that the intention was to lend us this money, take their interest up front, and not allow us to use the, the funds in a way that we, we wanted to use. And we had agreed to 
when we started negotiations. So in order for any funds, any funds, whether it be a dollar or a million dollars or above, to be removed from the escrow account, uh, conditions had to be met, and one of those, and it had to be approved by the corporation. Correct. Who else would have had to have been approved? Or were there any other entities that would have had to approve of that as well, or was it just strictly the corporation? No, there was also a condition that we would um, notify the lender under certain conditions on when the funds were released. And they were notified um, when they were released. Um, they wanted us, and they actually tried to, to slow down the process, but they weren't successful because it was at, solely at the corporation's discretion because um, the guarantee and also the collateral was posted by the Corporation of Hamilton. When you say they wanted to slow down the process... MIF. The, the MIF, yes. okay. Yeah. Uh, when, now let's, let's uh, you've heard the interviews that I conducted over the last couple of days. One, have you heard Ed Benavides' interview? No, I, I <laughs> didn't have the chance to listen to it. How about Mayor Otterbridge? No, I only heard secondhand, and that's part of the reason why I'm here, because... You know, the, there's sides of the story that have been told, and I, I want to make everyone understand yeah. with corroboration that certain things took place and certain things did happen, and some people are not telling the whole truth in this thing. Uh, Mayor Arterbridge, uh, and I just, just moments actually, ironically, before y you came, I, I played Mayor Arterbridge's brief interview yesterday. Mayor Arterbridge is indicating that contrary to what the minister has said, uh, he did know when the funds were moved. Uh, Mayor Otterbridge said it was in 2014 when the minister, when Minister Fay knew that the funds uh, had been uh, moved out of the escrow account. The press statement from Minister Fay in, on April 28th of this year says that the very first time that he became aware of the funds leaving the escrow account was in January of 2015 that he did up until that point he did not know he did not know I think he also said the government did not no one was aware uh, on his side that this had taken place when the minister says he did not know until January 2015 Mike McLean says what well Sherry I you know as much as I want to call a spade a spade on the radio all, all I like to say to that is that that cannot be the case because I've told the minister and I've that's Minister Fee, and I've also told on two occasions Minister Grant Gibbons about this process and where we are, I've given them updates. I, I actually have here on my phone a WhatsApp message that I sent to Minister Fee around the time of closing of, of the MIF loan and also that we were moving on to senior funding. And in fact, he was aware of our trips to London, you know, to, to, to meet with Argyle. So I cannot for, for, for a minute believe you know, or, or accept that he did not understand. And I, you know, I, I personally think that this is just a way for, for him to pass the buck, as it were, on this thing, because he doesn't want to assume the responsibility. So let's, let's go back to the first part of your statement, that you have a WhatsApp exchange mm -hmm. with Minister Faye yep. Yep. and yourself yep. discussing the moving of the money. No, it says that the loan has been closed and we're moving to senior funding ASAP. But so people, so so people understand when you say that the loan had been closed. So does that trigger then the movement of the money? So people understand. That's well, why I'm asking that. Yes, because the minister had with cabinet the benefit of all of the loan documents, so they would understand that once the funds 
were drawn down from MIF and put in escrow that the corporation and us can agree to release those funds at any given time. And if we're moving to senior funding, then that means we're anticipating moving the funds out of the escrow in, you know, in, in due course. So when did this exchange between yourself and the minister take uh, place? Just look at myself right now. And Mr. McLean now is taking a look at this WhatsApp exchange it's between himself and Minister Faye. It's August 20th at 1.46 p.m., 2014. So you're saying in August of 2014, the minister was made aware Absolutely. that this was happening? The proof is right here on myself. Uh, do you wish to read that exchange between yourself and the, uh, sure. the minister? Um, the second part of the conversation, which is the part that's, that's key to this, it says, Code your office. This is me speaking to him. Code your office. Guess you're off. Anyway, FYI, MIF Bridge Loan is closed. Moving into senior funding ASAP. Thank you for your help with this. Safe travels. And then he wrote back on the 21st. That's great news. Thank you, Mike. Yes, I'm away. Back on Monday. And he wrote that to me the next day. And this was August of 2014. August 20th and 21st. All righty. So this was, let me take it, let me find the minister's actual uh, statement, his uh, lengthy statement on this issue. Would, would the minister have had stewardship at this period of time during that discussion? Do you know whether, I need, to, I need Sherry, to find the dates. With so much going on, I have a hard time yeah, following. I will find following. the, I will find the actual, uh, the press release in, in just a moment indicating, uh, so that exchange August of 2014, where you said, we've closed out on this aspect. This is where we're moving. Correct. This is where. Correct. And you also indicated just moments ago that, that you also informed Dr. Grant Gibbons, yep. Minister Gibbons. Yeah, he, he actually called me, you know, as, as a and, minister, and head of economic development and, you know, and also involved in the transaction. He wanted an update, which, which we've had in, you know, on many occasions as to where we were, and I, I told him exactly where we were and the times he called me. So do you recall when those phone calls would have taken place? What it's definitely after the money was moved out of escrow. Definitely. And these were, these were telephone calls yes. between your, yourself and, and Minister uh, Gibbons? Yes. All right, we uh, we have Mike McLean. I'm kind of it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> I'm speechless. We have Mike McLean in the house. Uh, he uh, reached out to me very uh, just less than a half an hour ago, indicating that he wanted to come on and address some of the things that have most recently been said surrounding the corporation of Hamilton, particularly. Who knew what at what juncture? Uh, it's Mr. McLean's position, uh, and if I'm understanding you correctly, and, and please correct me if I'm misrepresenting what you're saying, that uh, back in August of last year, that would have been August of 2014, in a WhatsApp exchange, you updated Minister Fay on where you were uh, in terms of the actual uh, transaction when it came to the escrow. Correct. When it came to that. And you're saying in this exchange in 2014, you informed the minister, so he, he was, so were you keeping the minister abreast all along? Were you uh, always? Uh, uh, it's my duty. I, you know, I've got responsibility. So you were in constant contact of, of, with the. You know, $15 million worth of taxpayers' money. Absolutely. I have to report to the Corporation of Hamilton so how and often, to the minister. So how often would you speak with the minister or touch base with if, him? If they didn't contact me directly to ask me questions for EDC meetings or cabinet meetings, whatever they were, then 
it was my responsibility to check in or call them periodically and let them know what was taking place and what you know what didn't take place so if you had to uh, was it weekly? Was it monthly? Was it bi-weekly? If you could put sort of give us an idea of a time frame during this, how often would you speak with the minister himself or someone who is related? And I'm not talking about the Corporation of Hamilton. I'm mm -hmm. talking now strictly maybe someone from cabinet, whether it be the minister or one of his colleagues. How often would you speak? I would say probably every three months, but it's, it's not as frequent because I, again, I would expect the corporation to to you know do their their part and updating the ministers as well. If it was something that I needed to make direct contact with them, I would, but under normal circumstances I would you know, I would rely on the corporation to 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 update the government. Yeah. What, did you ever actually physically meet with uh Minister Fay? Um no Or was I, it just via email yeah, or text email or email telephone. I haven't met with him since you know, frankly we had the, the blow up with the waterfront. I haven't met with him since. Well, sorry, I, we did meet again uh, last week, I believe it was Monday last week we met uh, regarding the waterfront. Not, not political came up, but it was primarily to do with the waterfront. Okay, in reference to the the waterfront, where are you now with that? Where is, uh, understanding that it, it's before the court. I'm in court again Monday. But just at... Yeah, I'm back in court again Monday on a constitutional case okay. with, with the government. So it's it's your position that uh, due to the the voiding of the contract, it is it. So do you view it as a is is the legal argument from your side that it, it violated the constitution in doing that? Is that absolutely? I had a property right over twenty plus acres of of waterfront property. The government voided those contracts and they're trying to apply what I what I think is is wrong um, land acquisition laws to to the prep deprivation of my contracts. Yeah. So having having said that, in terms of you saying that you informed Minister Fay via WhatsApp in August of last year in reference to where you were on the Parleville issue, I just want to make for, for clarity purposes, because there are two separate issues. So we're not talking about the waterfront lease, we're talking about the collateral aspect of the, the, the Parleville. Uh, so would, to your knowledge, did the minister inform cabinet his colleagues, to your knowledge. I, you know, again, Minister Gibbons called me, so I would think that to some degree they're, they're duty bound to, you know, to let the cabinet know to what level there is exposure. Um, and I would think that, that, you know, from that perspective, they would definitely update um, cabinet members on, on where things are. And, and, you know, frankly, as a, as a, a head of an organization, um, I would also think that, it would be impossible for, you know, for those amounts of funds to be placed in the hands of somebody and no checks and balances be placed and then, you know, somebody else gets blamed for what happened or what didn't happen to those funds. I think, you know, I think that, that that's mind-boggling in itself that, that somebody would even try to pass the ball yep. on this matter. So when the minister says he was investigating the whereabouts of the funds in his statement, he said, I've spent this period of time uh, from January, it's his assertion that the moment he found out, because remember, he's saying he did not know prior to January. Once he found out in January, he spent that interim period from January to March investigating where the money was. Oh, the, the exact whereabouts of the funds is, you know, it's, it's, 
is something that you know I won't discuss at this time. But the position with the funds is that there has been allegations made by MIF against Parleville and myself personally, my trustees, which you know we hope to to have the court or dealt with in court shortly. The other issue is that MIF, in our opinion, prematurely. Um, wrote to Argyle because they were well aware that the funds were invested with Argyle and you know in a financial institution when somebody makes certain allegations and I will you know say what those allegations are banks and financial institutions freeze up because you know they don't want to be involved in third party actions and secondly the return of those funds is now you know slowed down because the allegations that have been made the banks don't want to return the funds to the wrong party. They're not sure. There's been no court ruling. And if the funds go to the wrong party, the bank could be liable. Yeah. And that's So they're covering themselves yeah, from, exactly. from, from the, that standpoint. The funds, the funds are not going missing or, or, or stolen. Or, and, and I've made that, uh, you know, made that very clear to the minister and their attorneys as well, that that's the position. I've, I've offered them to talk to Argyle. MIF has talked to Argyle on the phone. And MIF is... is, is not exercising patience in you know in having this resolved. Mm -hmm. They're pressing on. So, you know, Argyle's attorneys and the banks are clammed up because, you know, they're uncertain as, as to who to send these funds back to. All right, let's talk a little bit um uh this and I think you probably just answered this question. I'm getting some email questions coming in. Why hasn't the deal gone through if indeed finance was approved? Financing was approved. The well, financing was approved for $18 million for the bridge loan. It cannot be spent on the actual project. The purpose of the funds, which you know we're fully aware of, which is in the contracts, is for a bridging loan or mezzanine finance and what it, you know whatever you want to brand it as. It's not to go right into the project. There were some funds that were approved for other things within that $18 million amount, but none of those funds were were approved to go and excavate, you know get further planning permission or any of those things. All right. Uh, this listener, and you probably know this This is, is coming as well, uh, why won't you release the tapes that you say you have? The matter's in front of the court. I mean... Can but we, they do exist. Well, I, I, you know, if, if there's pressure on me to release the tapes, you know, I could say... <laughs> Why didn't the OVA release the Danny Davis tapes? You know, they said subjuicy. You know, it's it, that's just how it is. You you play your cards close, and you play for a win. You know, you don't you don't shoot every bullet in your gun on the first go. Are you prepared to say these tapes? Because I do recall when you when you revealed that on the show the the first and only time prior to this that that you've joined us on the show. Are you prepared to say who is actually on those tapes? Not at this time. Are they elected officials, appointed officials, or private officials, or private citizens, I should say? That will be given away too much at this time. All right. Um, you know, it's a, it's a humongous case for, for me and for, for Bermuda. And, you know, I've, I've spent quite a bit of money. I'm sure people that know me are aware of, you know, the financial pressure that this has put me under. Um, and I'm not about to, you know, to blow it by making a wrong move against, you know, legal counsel that I spent as much money as I have and they've advised me, you know, on how, how to manage this stuff, I'm, I'm not going to go against the advice. I have to rely on that advice to get the result that, you know, I ultimately set out to get. Okay. Uh, let's 
take a quick musical break, and I want to address some of the things, and, I, and I'm only asking this because these are public documents. This, this is a public document, your affidavit. I want to touch on some of the things that are actually in your affidavit because it would appear what you are saying in your affidavit contradicts some things that have been said in other public places as well. So we're going to line up some of those things. Let's take a musical break with Barrett's Hammond family. I t this is the beauty of live radio. You cannot make this stuff up. Mike McLean calls me, uh, says that he's in the vicinity. He wants to stop by and sit down and have a chat with us. That's what we're doing right now. Uh, you heard it directly from the source. Mr. McLean says uh, he has an exchange uh, in August of 2014 on WhatsApp between himself and Minister Fay, uh, where he is updating Minister uh, Fay. And I've seen, the, I've seen the, the WhatsApp exchange myself on his phone, where he's updating Minister Fay on the status of the uh, uh, where things are on the, I'm talking Parlerville now, not the waterfront uh, project, but Parlerville. Uh, and so, therefore, there is no way from his uh, perspective that the minister would not have known about what was happening with that $18 million and the escrow I, I can put it very simply for everyone. There was a set of loan documents that were sent to uh, AG's chambers for approval. Those loan documents, which were signed for this $18 million loan, specified uh, a maturity date, which is the date in which the loan needed to be paid back which was December 30th, 2014. If that maturity date passed and they knew that those funds were drawn down, what will come next? What will come next? They must have known that the funds had to go somewhere. It, it's impossible, you know, and, and within the time of the six-month period of thereabouts, what were they expecting to happen with the money? And if, and if they didn't follow up and ask the diligence questions, that's, I mean, in my opinion, just come out and say that and, you know, and stop passing the buck and make other people look like they're guilty in this thing because that's not the case. And, and I'm not here to attack anybody or, you know, or, or, or side with anybody, but I'm not going to lay here or sit here either and let people attack me and my family. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Also, Mr. McLean indicating just moments ago in our live interview, uh, five minutes outside of 1 o'clock, he's saying that he's also had conversations with Minister Grant Gibbons in reference to this issue. And again, this would have been uh, with Minister Gibbons. Just to recap, uh, the, the conversations that you had with Mr. Uh, Gibbons, with Minister Gibbons in reference to the Parlerville issue now, not the waterfront. Mm -hmm. this prime, I mean, as I stated even in my affidavit that uh, Minister Gibbons graciously declined any communication or, or, or dialogue regarding the waterfront. He said that you know it was an issue for for Michael Fate. Um, so all our conversations have been around the Parlerville project, and the, the times that he called me to get updates were specifically about you know when we thought the possibility of a project would would you know would would come to Bermuda and and we'll be able to create jobs. And in that process, I gave him the update as you know as he would do as a minister i mean he called me he says look you know hope everything goes well and, and i believe that that was the case that he hoped that we had a project for the benefit of everybody and this would have been these discussions would have been in 2014 yes the after after august that whatsapp exchange between yourself and minister fay in august of last year did you speak with minister gibbons after that after yep that, yeah, and and I I even and believe, you gave him the similar uh, information. I'm almost positive that I even spoke to him 
this year, you know, between December and January, after we had we had had the default to explain to him how we were trying to work, resolve the yeah. issues. So the same, basically, the same conversation, the same exchange that you had via a WhatsApp with Minister Fay would have been a similar exchange that you had with Dr. Gibbons, mm -hmm. uh, with Minister Gibbons, albeit via telephone. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back after this musical break. It's Barris Hammond, Warriors Don't Cry. Stay tuned for this impromptu, really just out-of-the-blue interview with developer Mike McLean. Make your mind up and face it because Warriors don't cry I know lots of folks will hate you And not because they want you But sometimes they don't even know Don't Cry family, we have us with us at the top of the hour. It's 1 o'clock now, live in studio right here on Magic 102.7 FM, where you get the best talk and information directly from the source, 
developer Mike McLean, who is currently embroiled in a legal battle with the government of Bermuda in reference uh, to two separate issues, that being of the, the waterfront uh, lease and then also some issues surrounding the, uh, the Parlaville uh, project as well, just to remind you that those are two separate uh, Project. So we will be kind of bouncing between uh, those two issues. This was an impromptu uh, interview. It was not scheduled at all. That's why I didn't advise you of it. Uh, it was very surprising to me when Ms. McLean reached out to me, uh, I guess about 45 minutes ago or so, saying that he wished to come into the studio and talk live uh, with me so he can address some of the things that have recently been in the public space surrounding particularly the $18 million and the escrow account. So we appreciate you uh, doing that, Mr. Mike McLean. Let's um, talk a little bit now. I, I want to go to your affidavit, and then we'll get back to some other things. Uh, so this is a public document. So, family, I'm reading something that is a public document. It's uh, the dated the 9th of February, 2015. An affidavit from Michael McLean. This is in reference to uh, some of the issues surrounding the waterfront. So now we're going to concentrate on, now I'm not going to get into the legal aspects of it, but I will just outline some of the things that don't seem to line up in terms of what you're saying in your affidavit versus what uh, elected officials are saying. So we'll, we'll, we'll go to that. One of the, the interesting things I'm looking now, I.O. Johnson has done an extensive amount of coverage on the issue of the waterfront lease and some of the issues surrounding that. I'm looking now, this is I.O. Johnson's website, Politica, uh, politica.think.bm. This is an article that was published on his website on February 21st of 2015, and this is shortly after your affidavit uh, was placed in uh, shortly after it was placed in uh, the public sphere. So I, I'm reading now, this again is from Iles article. DaCosta, who is not a civil servant, talking now about Stephen DaCosta, uh, who is not a civil servant, is Cannoneer's good friend and business manager. McLean's affidavit does not mention the presence of any civil servants at the meeting, but according to the developer, DaCosta had knowledge of Cabinet's intentions about the waterfront project and conveyed such information to him. I want to stop there. Uh, in, this same, in this same article published again, I.O. Johnson, his Politica website, dated February the 21st of this year, uh, Mr. Cannoneer, Craig Cannoneer, uh, told us, this is what Iowa is writing, Craig Cannonier told us in January 15th of this year that he never knew of DaCosta's involvement in the waterfront talks. <laughs> so that's, that's, what I.O., that's what he told I.O. Johnson. I apologize for laughing on the air, Sherry, but and I, I only got to know the premier through Stephen DaCosta, well, well, through Jerry, and then right after that, he sent Stephen DeCosta to me, so well, I don't know. I cannot be believe that that he'll make a statement like that. So when he when he's saying to I.O. Johnson uh, on January 15th of this year, January 15, 2015, when I.O. asked him about Stephen DeCosta and his connection to the waterfront, Craig Cannoneer told us in January 15th this year that he never knew of DeCosta's involvement in the waterfront talks, and you say that's Jerry. He attended <laughs> DeCosta and the Premier attending meetings with me and investors. So how can he not know of, of, of the course's involvement? And these meetings would have been taking place time frame, like what? Over a period of, of a year, a year and a half, maybe. 
So you're saying that's not accurate when the, when the former premier says not. that? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I mean, if you go and check the tapes down at Hamilton Princess, you know, if the Greens w uh, are willing to give you the, the, the recordings down there, there's meetings held with, with, with me, him, and investors right in the gold room. And so you're saying the, the security, if you were to check the yeah, security absolutely. Uh, cameras yeah. down at, yeah. at, at the Princess, because absolutely. all hotels have security cameras, by the way, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. you would see footage of y'all walking through the hotel, absolutely. meeting, and, and... Absolutely, absolutely. So then why do you believe that Mr. Cannonier would say that? If, if you're saying that, you know, we met all the time, Stephen Acosta was the point person, is it fair to say that he was the point person? The, throughout the whole thing, yes, yes, yes. I mean, if if he's made a statement like that and that that's his word and he hasn't retracted it, uh, you know, I would tell him to go go take advice from somebody on 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 what he says because, I mean, it, it is impossible for him to. I cannot believe he said that. Well, according to the I.O., I'm, I'm reading from I.O.'s article published the February the 21st of this year. Canadair told us on January 15th this year that he never knew of the cost's involvement in the waterfront uh, talks. So, uh, and I, I'm asking you this because when I read that, I, and then I go back and I refer to your, your sworn affidavit, yep. you detail a number of times that DaCosta has called and speaking on behalf of uh, the, the then Premier, Cannonier, and Minister Fay. I can give you two more witnesses that DaCosta was involved. One is uh, uh, MP Bascom. And I'll, I'll, I'm not afraid to call names, so I ain't got nothing to hide. That would and be MP N Nelson Bascom. I'm sorry. Kenny uh, Bascom. Kenny Bascom, rather. With those same developers that I met with Craig Kennedy in, in the gold room with, I took those developers down to look at the Club Med development. They're investors and developers. They, you know, they, invest, they invest and they develop. And I deliberately, on two occasions, with those same investors, made sure that all the members of the OBA government saw Stephen DeCosta with me. I delib I called MP Baskin myself and told him to meet me up there because the course was in my truck coming. And I done the same thing with him on 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 um on uh, the, the development Gilbert Loops done Golden Hind development. We went there to look at that. The, the investors were interested in purchasing it, and I called Wayne Scott on purpose and took the course to end the investors to Wayne Scott's house so that they could see the course in my truck. So when Okay, those two occasions. The, the occasion involving M.P. Bascom would have been time... Wh when are we talking about that would have occurred? I, I would have to go back and refer to the documents because I was negotiating with them to, to partner with me on the waterfront. And I, could, you know, I can go back to the emails and all that kind of stuff as okay, well. Okay, so uh, if you can get that to us. But uh, your, your assertion is that they were... Uh, that particularly Mr. Cannonier would have definitely been aware of Stephen DeCosta's role. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, so how how did how did Stephen present himself to you? Did he, when he did he represent when he said to you, did he come in and say, I'm working on behalf of the premier and, and the minister? How did he present what his role was? Did he ever specifically tell you what his role was? I don't want to repeat that on the air, sorry, but, you know, his 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 because, again, this, this stuff is in, in the courts, but. If if I needed to have something done, it could only come through. That's what was represented, and I, you know that that's as much as I can see. 
All righty. Uh, we have with us live in studio Mike McLean, uh, who is uh, talking about the role of Stephen Acosta in, uh, in the waterfront uh, issue, in the waterfront lease issue. And I just referred to an article written, uh, published on the 21st of February of this year, I.O. Johnson's political website, where I.O. details having asked uh, Craig Cannonier, former Premier Craig Cannonier, uh, what was Stephen, he must have put the question to him, uh, what was Stephen DeCosta's uh, role in it? And Cannonier telling uh, I.O. Johnson in this article, uh, Cannonier told us on January 15th this year that he, quote, never knew, unquote, of DeCosta's involvement in the waterfront talks. Now, in the same article, let's switch now to Senator Fay. Uh, Senator Fay denied that DeCosta was involved in the talks on the waterfront when the matter was raised by Politica last year, saying only that he had, quote, useful information. So when I.O. Johnson asked uh, Senator Fay last year, uh, what of, of, of Mr. DaCosta, what is, you know, what is his role, if any, Senator Fay denied that DaCosta was involved in the talks on the waterfront when the matter was raised by Politica last year, saying only that he had, quote, useful information. That's a lie. You, you say outright that that's yep. a lie. Yep. That's a lie. So then last year, Senator Fay would have known about any involvement that, that Stephen DaCosta uh, is alleged to have had in this whole issue. I would issue. say from early, I, when did they get elected, 2012? December 2012 they got elected? Was it 2012 or 13 they got uh, elected? 2012. Okay, well, it was in early 2013 from, from then. Okay, so, and he would have known that. A absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Ten past the hour of one o'clock, we are talking with developer Mike McLean, just uh, clearing up from his perspective some of the things that have been said uh, over the last couple of days surrounding the Parlerville issue. It is Mr. McLean's position that uh, the minister, Minister Faye, knew what was happening in reference to the escrow account, and, and I'm talking specifically now about the Parlerville uh, issue, uh, saying that there was a WhatsApp exchange between himself and Minister Fay uh, in August of last year where you updated the minister on what was happening. And for the benefit of those who are just joining us, can you reread that, that WhatsApp exchange for us? This is, uh, he's going now, and I've seen this on his phone. He showed it to me. He's, he's, um, he's shown it to me now. He's going to read it again. This is a WhatsApp exchange between uh, the developer, Mr. McLean, Mike McLean, who's live in studio now, uh, between him and Minister Fay, August of last year, and this exchange goes as what? It says, code your office, guess you're off. Anyway, FYI, MIF Bridgeland is closed. Moving into senior funding ASAP. Thank you for your help on this. Safe travels. He replied, next day, that is great news. Thanks, you, Mike. Yes, MOE, back on Monday. Now, shortly thereafter, that, that, uh, that exchange via WhatsApp, you say you also spoke via telephone with Minister Grant Gibbons and updated him as well, and it would have been a similar update mm -hmm. in, yep. in terms of the one that you, yep. you say you gave to, to Minister Faye. Yes. All right. Uh, let, let's go to your London trip now. And again, this is in connection to 
the Parleville. Mm -hmm. Again, family, just so we're separating, and I'm saying this so um, I'm separating because there are two separate issues. It's the waterfront lease and then the issue of the parking lot uh, and the $18 million surrounding that. So now we're, we're moving to that issue of, of the Parleville uh, development. Your trip to London, when did you take that trip? I've been quite a... Well, been on quite a few trips, and I'm not sure exactly. Well, this would be the one where yeah. the mayor uh, would have been present. Mayor Otterbridge and Mr. Benavides, I believe, was said to have been present as well. Yeah, I would think it would probably been the early part of November. I would, I would have. November last yeah, year. Yeah, because that's when we started talking to Argyle. Um, and I'm just trying to think back at the first draft agreement. I think was like early October, so it must have been around that time. Again, if I refer back to my emails, I can obviously see my travel dates um, and you know, the, the communication between us to, to take the trip. But my guess is early October. Okay. So would have been, because I've heard that around October as well mm -hmm. from other persons, that, that this trip is said mm -hmm. to have taken place around October mm -hmm. of, of last year, October 2014. What was the specific purpose of the trip? The, the trip was prearranged for us to meet with um, Argyle and um, discuss how we could use or utilize the the monies we had um, at our disposal um, in an investment to first off repay uh, the funds that were due to MIF which would take corporations land and the guarantee off, off the hook um, and then secondly that funding was supposed to continue on. It was a year's contract of investment. We were supposed to continue on and ultimately end up with what we would call, you know, the equity um, to go out and raise some debt on, on the balance of what, what, what was, you know, what was required to build a hotel. Who was present uh, with you? Did you, when you say we, uh, who was supposed to go with you? Was this in conjunction with the corporation yep, that yeah, you were going? Yeah, we, we agreed. I actually offered, to, you know, because I was accused at one time for, for schmoozing the mayor. Um, I actually offered the mayor to pay because it was, you know, part of it was expense, mm -hmm. I thought. Um, and he declined. And um, from what I understand, he uh, made arrangements with the secretary who was off island at that time mm -hmm. um, to buy his plane ticket. Okay. So at the time, it's my understanding that at the time, the secretary was already in, uh, yes. in London or on, in... On other business. On, on, on other business, yes. separate and apart. Yes. And he was then instructed to meet up with you Correct. once you arrived to go Absolutely. to this. So, yes. so at this meeting, it would have been yourself, Mayor Otterbridge, and Ed Benavides. Correct. And some brokers as well that were involved or had made the introduction to, to Argyle. Okay. Yeah. Now, were oh, any attorneys? Was the minister aware of this meeting? Absolutely, he was aware of it. Absolutely, um, I um, I'm, I don't want to be quoted because I'm not absolutely sure whether it was this or the second trip. But one of those trips, the minister was on a fan flight going to London with us, and he had a conversation with the mayor, right right in the checkout at at. You know, at Bermuda's airport, at LF Wade or whatever. Okay, I'm okay. Sure his name. Back up, back up for a minute here. So, <laughs> this October trip. Mm -hmm. Yep. There was two trips. One, two with the mayor. I think there was one in October and another maybe in November. But 
one one of those trips, and I'm not absolutely sure which one it was, because I, I just remember him and I sitting together in the waiting lounge. So the minister was on one of those flights. Absolutely. You yeah. just you don't recall yeah. whether yeah. it was the October or the I, November. 100% positive that he was on that flight. Yeah. You you were sitting next to the minister, no, or or no, he, and he, so you were traveling separately. So this was was this just coincidence, and yeah, that you happened to be in the same place? He had the benefit and the luxury of the uh, the lounge, and <laughs> we we were sitting outside. But he did come out um, when okay. it was time to board, and you know he greeted the mayor, and you know I yeah. said. So for clarity, uh, the the fact that you were on the same flight had. You weren't traveling together then, this no. just so people understand, yeah, that's why I'm asking yeah, that. Yeah. He had all the business that he was he was going to make, attend to, and we were heading to, you know, Drago. And I'm, I'm absolutely positive that right there and then, the mayor, the mayor would have told him, or, or, you know, he would have been aware that we were going. Like, you know, because we had a conversation, or they had a conversation, right there on the spot about the trip. Right in front, right in front of me. I mean, I didn't have much to say because of, you know, what I felt had or hadn't happened with, with regards to the waterfront, but the mayor had, you know, had had a conversation with him about the trip right there. Mike McLean in the house. He is live with us again. We did not know. We d didn't have this scheduled. Uh, he contacted us and and asked if, if we could accommodate him coming in. Uh, he was in the area, and certainly we are always able to do that. Well, not always able, but glad to do that, particularly when it's uh, issues that are of national importance, and, and this most certainly is one of those issues. You hear him detailing now, particularly, and, and what spurred you, you said this earlier, what spurred you is really you're hearing some of the things that are being said now about who knew what. Uh, and at what time? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also, you know, the, the, the stuff that's been put out in the paper, I mean, it affects people that are close to me that, you know, that I trust, and I brought those people into the transaction because of my trust for them. Um, and now their names are being slandered and they're having difficulties because of what's been put out there in the media. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to, 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 you know, clear up anybody's name because I'm sure the courts will do that in time. But I'm not going to sit by oddly as well and watch, you know, Miss Trues get plastered all over the place and me, and me not see my side of the story. All right. So, and his side of the story this afternoon, family, you're hearing it right here on Magic 102.7 FM. Developer Mike McLean uh, saying that there is no way that the minister would did not know about the, the funds, the escrow, what was happening. Uh, Mr. McLean saying that he was updating the minister all along the way. Uh, earlier this week, you heard my interview with Ed Benavides, who is the secretary of the Corporation of Hamilton. Ed Benavides, I'm just saying this so folks have the, the context of everything that has been going on. Uh, Ed Benavides saying that he did not inform the minister. Yesterday I spoke, and I'm talking about Ed Benavides himself did not inform the minister, and he did say, interestingly enough, during our telephone conversation, that I didn't inform him. I don't know if somebody, you know, someone else may have. Uh, Mayor Otterbridge spoke with him yesterday. I re-aired that interview uh, just shortly before um, Mr. McLean uh, came into the studio. Mayor Otterbridge saying, I told... Uh, the minister, I informed the minister when we moved that money out of escrow. Now we have Mr. McLean live in studio saying as, as far back as August of last year, 
he WhatsApped uh, Minister Fay, giving him an update on what was happening on the Parlerville project, including the funding aspect uh, of it. He then uh, is saying that uh, very shortly thereafter, with like maybe a day or two, uh, within a week. Uh, what happened? Uh, with Dr. Gibbons, he spoke with Minister. Um, no, I would say it's, it's further down the road. From further that. down the road. A month or two okay. After. About a month or two after that, he spoke with Minister Grant Gibbons uh, and gave him an update of the situation via telephone. So when Minister Fay says in his April 28th statement that he did not know until January the 28th, uh, I'm sorry, the January, that January meeting, uh, that this, these funds had been moved, Mike McLean says that's not possible. And then, and then if, if, you know, if, if, if it was... If, even if that was the case, the question would be why? If, you know, if, if the position you're in, you're given governmental approval, you know that the monies are in escrow and they can be drawn down, wouldn't you want to know if, if the money came out? So, you, you know, are you saying that you, you, you didn't make an effort to find out whether the money had been moved? Well, that, that's just as bad in my opinion, honestly. You know, if I was in that position, with my company or in any other organization, and I had that responsibility, it would be my responsibility to make sure if and when that money moves, I know where it is and, and, and how it moves. So I can't, you know, I can't, again, say that if, even though I know he knew, even if he didn't know, then it'll make him comparable for, 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 for the era. So that would, that would mean that if he truly, genuinely didn't know, then he was asleep on the job. Then. Exactly, yeah. So, so I don't think that this, you know, it's an excuse in the past to balk and point, point fingers at, at me especially. And, and, I mean, I can't only begin to think after what I've already said to, to them for, you know, for him to come up with this article now and, 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 and attack me, because that's, that's how I take it. I can only see it as a way to, you know, to ruin or further try to ruin my reputation because of the claim that I brought against the government for this waterfront. That's, that's the only way I can see it because he knows all the facts. So for him to go and make a move like this, no, it, you know, I can only believe that he's dragging, you know, my wife, my trustees, everybody into this mix to say, look, you know, this guy's a bad guy and there's no way the government should be entitled or should have to pay this guy money for the waterfront. I can't see it no other way because the facts are there and he's, he's, in my opinion, deliberately moving things around to set his agenda. Uh, speaking of the waterfront, I did put some questions to Mr. McLean. Now, this is the separate issue of the waterfront lease, and this is stemming from his affidavit that is dated the February the 9th of this year, and this is in reference to, the, again, the, the waterfront lease. Uh, former Premier Craig Cannonier indicating in an article to, uh, uh, written by I.O. Johnson that he did not know, that he never knew of DeCosta's involvement in the waterfront talks. Uh, Mr. McLean saying, uh, no, that is not the case. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a straight up lie. And also uh, pointing out two occasions where Stephen DeCosta uh, was involved in waterfront related issues. Yep. Water and um, MP Bascom. Yeah, I took I I because would have been because the present. Look, simply put, the pressure that was on me. I deliberately set those those things up to be 
I set them up so that other people could see what was going on. I deliberately did that. Just so like, you would have witnesses, are you I, saying? I, absolutely. That's, that's exactly why I did it, because I could have drove around and done this and done that, and, you know, and nobody knew anything about it, but I deliberately went to those people's houses so that they could see him there, because I was also talking to those people on the side and asking them why they're taking away my waterfront project, why they're doing this to me, and I thought those people were sincere and, you know, would be willing to help me because I knew them, you know, from, from, from other things, and I thought that they were sincerely going to try to help me, so I, you know, bought them and just said, look, this guy, what is he doing here? So when you say those people who you were talking to and asking why is this happening, who specifically were those like, people? Like, like uh, Minister, uh, not Minister, sorry, MP Bascom. Oh, I've been talking to him for, you know, for, I think, since those guys have been elected. When, when you put that question to MP Bascom, what was his reply? Well, he said that he would talk to, to members of cabinet and, you know, and premier, and he did so, and then eventually it just, it just died. You know, it was, just died. was there anyone else that, that you were putting your case to? Anyone else who either an elected MP or sitting in the cabinet? Um, not, not as much as, 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 as um, MP Bascom because he, you know, he always had time. I mean, everybody knows how he is. He, you know, he's willing to listen. He's more of a, you know, a, a, a grassroots person. So I think, you know, he would understand more. And, you know, a good friend of his and I had a relationship, so we, we started com um, conversating. And, and I, you know, I sort of put, put the thing to him that, you know, I thought it was unreasonable and I thought that the government and, uh, and us could work together to resolve this. And it just, it just never went anywhere. All righty. You heard it directly here, Mr. McLean, saying outright that, that uh, then-Premier Craig Cannonier now works in engineering, uh, Minister Craig Cannonier is lying. I can't when, put it no other way, Sheriff. When, when he, he says that he did not, uh, he was not aware or he never knew to use, and I'm, I'm reading he, that he never knew of the consul's involvement in the waterfront talks, uh, you hear Mr. McLean say that, that uh, Mr. Cannonier in that respect is lying. I'm reading now from your affidavit, your sworn affidavit. This is page 7 of that affidavit, uh, point 28. The next day, I received a phone call from Stephen DeCosta, uh, the Premier's assistant and business manager. He wanted to speak to me about the development proposals. We met later that day at my office. This was the start of a long series of discussions which Mr. DeCosta initiated with me about the waterfront development and also the Parleville development on behalf of Premier Cannonier and then later on on behalf of Michael Fay, the Home Affairs Minister, and then Attorney General Mark Pettengill. The, the other thing that, you know, if, if, if I heard you right, that Minister Fay said that he, you know, he didn't know of the courses involved okay, in, in it. Let, did he say that? Let me, let me repeat. I'll repeat to okay. you again. I'm reading now, for those of you who want to follow along, this is I.O. Johnson's website, politica.think.bm. This is an article entitled, McLean Details DeCosta's Role in Waterfront Talks from the Politica website. It was published on February 21st of this year. I'm reading a very brief uh, sentence here. Senator Fay denied that DaCosta was involved in the talks on the waterfront when the matter was raised by Politica last year, saying only that he had, quote, useful information, unquote. So when I.O. Johnson put that question to the senator uh, last year, he said, no, he didn't. Well, I'll ask a question and I'll answer it for everyone's benefit. The lease that the corporation was unwilling to give to the government initially because they took legal advice and legal advice was that that they shouldn't give it to them. Um, I was willing to give the government the lease. 
and all that expression because the corporation Hamilton don't even do this but I'm going to reveal it publicly they had a lease before they officially released that they had the lease and the question is how did they get that lease and I'm going to tell you on the radio without a shadow of doubt I gave that lease to Stephen DeCosta and Stephen DeCosta gave that lease to Michael Fay before Michael Fay admitted to the public that he had the lease he had that lease way before way before he told the public he had that lease and Stephen DeCosta was the one that gave him that lease Okay, let's go back now, just so I'm, I'm getting the, the, the timeline here. This is important, so people, for clarity's sake, when you say he had that lease, gave the lease, can you break it down for us in layman's terms so we clearly understand what you say when you say he had that lease? He made a public, you know, uh, statement that the corporation wouldn't give the lease, that, you know, that until he sees the lease, that he's produce not going to... Oh, produce well, the lease. Yeah, yeah, a copy of the copy. lease that yeah. you had signed in reference to the waterfront. Right, because the corporation was unwilling to give it to him initially. And yeah. it was a big stink why, why they wouldn't release so the lease. So that's what you're it's referring to. to hide. We, do, we do remember yeah. that period of time yeah. when there was that ongoing struggle, mm -hmm. and the minister was saying he did not have access to the lease. Exactly. So when the minister said he did not have access to the lease, you are saying... He did. That he actually because had the lease. I gave Stephen the cost of the copy, a copy, a true copy of that lease, to give to him. So when did you give Stephen DaCosta a copy of the lease to then pass on to the minister? It was early, maybe January after the election. Because, so to that, that would have uh, been January 2013. What, what, as per my affidavit, when I met, first time I met Greg Kennedy here, was right after the election. Yes, that's according process. to your affidavit, yes. Very Some, shortly somebody thereafter. Somebody introduced us, which was a, a you know, subcontractor of mine. I gave him... Would that be Mr. Ming? Yes. Yeah. That, that would be, yeah. uh, yes. And, and I'm, I'm saying this because yeah. this is all in yeah. the affidavit. I, Jerry Ming. I took, as I was, as was requested, I took the waterfront documents, Parliament documents with me to Hamilton Princess. And I showed my proposal. said, look, you know, we, we won this competition because, you know, there was rumors around. I said, yeah, I had nothing to hide. I said, yeah, here's my proposal. I won the lease, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I won the development, blah, 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 blah. So he took the documents and he stuck them under his coat. That's the premier. We this is Premier Craig Cannonier, Pre then Premier, premier Craig Cannonier. The next day, I got a call from Stephen Nicosa. So how did Stephen Nicosa not know? And Stephen Nicosa had my documents. Next day, he called, Stephen Nicosa called me and said, hey, Mike, I've got your waterfront documents and I need to talk to you. I need to see you face to face. Well, so, I mean, I don't know how, you know, or, or what game is being played here with, you know, with, with, with these lies. But I think the, the, the eventually this is not going to go good for anybody in, involved in this process because I'm, I'm already suffering. And I'm not trying to, you know, deliberately make anybody else suffer through this pro process. Right? All I'm trying to do is restore my business, you know, and my family back to the way we were before I got involved in this whole process. And, you know, due to politics, I believe, I'm got the short end of the stick. So when Minister Faye said to the country, we are having trouble, they will not hand over the lease, they won't show us the lease, mm -hmm. uh, we, are, we have been unable to see it, to access it, mm -hmm. you're saying that's not accurate because they already had a copy of the lease. I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's the first time, but I know that statements were made, you know, for a period of time that, that this is why they couldn't support the project. And within that time frame, I'm not saying from the f very first date, because I'm not sure the date that he made the yeah. statement and the date that he got the lease, but I'm, I'm absolutely positive that 
until the date he officially received one from the corporation, which the corporation notified us that he received it. And that would have been when? Uh, I think that was maybe March, something like that. I'm not of 2013. Yeah, I'm not again, March of 2013. Yeah, I think it's maybe maybe in in the affidavit. Okay, as well, I'll take a look to see if I can find that. There was a meeting as well that was held at the corporation of Hamilton that um, you know we we were trying to and I and I actually facilitated that meeting to try to get the government and the and the the, the well, I didn't facilitate it but I helped the meeting come together. Okay, is this I'm I'm looking page nine of your affidavit point nine in or around mid January 2013. Um, no, hold on. I just want to make sure. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I misread. I just, I'm finding, keep, keep talking. I'm right. looking for the, the, well, uh, will you detail this right. meeting? We, we had the meeting. It was, it was, uh, the AG at that time was Mark Pattengill and Minister Fay, and they came to, to Corporation Hamilton saying that they want a copy of this lease. The corporation's legal team was, was there as well and asked, you know, why they've never asked for a copy of the lease before or any other leases. Why is this one so important and so on? Okay, all right. At so that meeting, mm -hmm. I said in the room, noon, that I had given a copy of that lease to the minister via Stephen Acosta. I'm looking now. This is page 10 of Mike McLean's affidavit, the sworn affidavit, page 10. He's, Mr. McLean is sitting in front of me live right now. This is uh, point 39 of your affidavit, page 10, on March 13, 2013. Uh, Alex Ducudo and I had a meeting with Michael Fay. Mm -hmm. Mr. Fay was again personally supportive of the development and the meeting was promising. In private, Michael Fay said that he was not against us or the development, but that he was not happy with the Corporation of Hamilton and how they were conducting themselves. Mr. Fay appeared to be personally keen that we should be allowed to progress with the development. He said to me on various occasions that the problem was other cabinet members and in particular Bob Richards. Michael Fay was seeking a copy of the lease between the Corporation of Hamilton and Allied, which the Corporation of Hamilton would not give him. This is March now, yeah, March 13th. Uh, would not give him. I provided him a copy of the lease shortly after that meeting via Stephen Acosta. Yep, absolutely. At that meeting, he told me, look, I need the lease if I'm going to try to help you guys. So I said, you know, from the beginning, I but never then, had anything to hide, so I gave him a copy yeah, of the lease. But does that not, so that copy of the lease, now, uh, let me go back, because that would indicate that perhaps the minister didn't have a copy prior to that, that he hadn't seen it, because if this is, this is March the 13th, mm -hmm. and you are saying that you provided him a copy of the lease shortly, very shortly thereafter that meeting, via Stephen Acosta. Now, this is March 13, 2013, so could it be possible that indeed the minister hadn't seen a copy of the lease, because you say you provided it, with him in, it to him in March, according to this. This yep. is your affidavit. It, it was definitely after that meeting, though, Sherry, that because he asked us for it, and I told him in a meeting that I don't have a problem giving it to him, and, okay. and, and that I would try to arrange a meeting or, or, or help the corporation, you know, because I didn't see any reason why the corporation would not give him the lease, and we had the meeting shortly after that. All right, so... So the, uh, dates, the dates on that are, are absolutely correct, because I would have so corresponded those with my emails and so forth on the, the, you know, the dates that we had the meeting. So, so then forth. that would back up the minister's claim that he didn't have a copy of, of at least in, in this March meeting, if he's saying that the corporation didn't show him the lease. Right. But, and you're saying... But when he received the official, the official copy, and you know, I don't want to get tripped up on okay. dates because I don't have any documents in front of me, but when he re received the, the copy from the Corporation of Hamilton... He had already received a copy from me via Stephen Acosta, 
but he maintained that he didn't have a copy because the agreement was that he would not tell the corporation that I gave him a copy because they didn't want to give him one. Oh, okay. So you're you're saying that on the public face of it, yep. if I'm understanding you correctly, and I do not want to misrepresent what you're saying, right. but just for clarity purposes, you're saying in the public, the minister was saying, I don't have a copy of this lease. Mm -hmm. The corporation has not provided me with a copy of this lease, so therefore it's impeding our ability to do whatever we need and to I'm do. And I'm sure if you check the articles based on when I said I gave him the lease and the press releases, you'll see that he made a statement after that saying that he didn't have a copy of the lease. So then you are saying that if I line, if we go back and we line up the dates, mm -hmm. on a date when the minister is, is saying that I do not have a copy, you are saying he did because you slipped him a copy. Yep. 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 And that and that copy would have been handed to him via Stephen Acosta. Stephen Acosta. Yeah. And I, I was doing it because I, again, I, would, you know, while the corporation didn't want to give him a copy of the lease, I didn't see any reason why did, he shouldn't have a copy. Did the corporation know that you had? No. no you had no. slipped him so a I'm, copy. I'm, I'm revealing this on the air now, but no, they didn't. And I'm All sure right. they probably, you know. So this is the first the corporation, then many of the elected officials I'm yeah. talking about. This is the first the elected officials would have known that you slipped. Mm -hmm. via Stephen DaCosta, mm -hmm. uh, a, a copy of the lease to the minister. Yeah. Yeah. And your reasoning for doing that was what? Well, I wanted to, I wanted to cooperate. I wanted everybody to get along, as, as they say. And I wanted my development to go ahead. I didn't want anything because there was some rivalry between the government and, and the Corporation of Hamilton to obstruct my commercial affairs. So I figured if I gave the minister a copy and he saw the contents of it, he would not be, you know, as so, opposed to it as, as, as he set out. So from your perspective, you didn't have any issue with the, the minister having a copy no. of it? You never had any yeah, issue? And that's why you gave him. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have signed it if I had a problem with somebody else looking at the document. Yeah. <laughs> Where is Stephen Acosta now? I've reached out, and I have to say, now that I have you in the studio, I have to mention this, and I've mentioned it on air. I have reached out to Mr. Acosta. Uh, the number that I did have for him is, is no longer working, and I've sent him a communication um, Otherwise, and, and I haven't heard back from him. Where is last, he? Last I heard, um, he's in D.C. working for somebody that, that um, was, was mentioned in the Jetgate scandal. I'll leave it at that. Wow. That's Allegedly. You have no proof no, of that, I, but I, that's I, what you heard. Absolutely that no last that you know that, that he is no longer residing in Bermuda? Yep, working that's, that's and, and working for someone who's connected to the jet gate issue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But you have no proof of that. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> no proof there. Yeah, I haven't spoken to him for quite some time, so I, you know, I don't know his movements. Okay. Your purpose, uh, let's, as we wrap things up now, and, and thank you for stopping by. We, uh, we appreciate that. And I will definitely go back and line up the, the dates, particularly in reference to uh, that, uh, the contract issue of, yeah. of the minister saying that he didn't have access uh, to the contract, but you, you are saying definitely when he was saying it on the one hand publicly that he didn't have, that the corporation hadn't given him a contract, he hadn't seen it, mm -hmm. you're saying he saw it, albeit not through the, the corporation, but you had slipped him a copy uh, as, as with Stephen Acosta acting as the intermediary. A absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. What do you want the public to know about uh, the, the Parleville issue? And then, secondarily, separate and apart from that, what do you want the public to know about the waterfront issue when it, when it comes to particularly the minister saying that he didn't know about Stephen Acosta or, the, or his limited role and, and, and the former premier saying that he didn't know 
about the Steve So let's deal with the, the Paulaville aspect of it first. With respect to Paulaville, I mean, we're still doing our utmost to try to resolve the issues with MIF, um, you know, and that's making sure that, that, you know, both parties are satisfied and that we don't, we, we don't end up with the short end of the stick, so it's, it's a work in progress. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident that there will be a resolution. It might not be as fast as everyone might like it to be, but, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in, 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 in the process. Um, and, you know, we're still trying to, to move this thing ahead. The, the, the issues we've had with the $18 million loan has obviously set us back again. Um, and we'll have to work through it once it's resolved and, and, and get with another set of finances if, if you know, if the development proceeds, um, which, again, is, you know, is a, a long process. Uh, we put a lot of work in to date and invested a lot of money in this, you know, sort of, a shame, but this is, you know, this is what happens when you venture into these, into that realm, you know, it's bet big, lose big, um, and that's pretty much all I can say, because that's a matter, again, that's in front of the courts. Now, switching to the, the waterfront uh, issue, particularly with uh, the minister, Senator Faye, denying that DaCosta was involved uh, in the talks on the waterfront, and Craig Cannonier, Mr. Cannonier, uh, telling I.O. Johnson that he never knew of DaCosta's involvement in the waterfront talks. That's it's, it's absolutely untrue. I mean, I, there, in my affidavit as well, there's a document that DaCosta came to my office and asked me to write um, to, you know, horse trade, um, the waterfront uh, rights and lease for a sovereign guarantee for uh, Parleville. I wrote notes and I put that in my affidavit. I also um, typed the document, gave it to him. He took the document away, um, um, brought it back with some handwritten notes on it, and I could tell you, you know, of the people that I think that, <laughs> that would have made notes on the document for him or gave him, um, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess, told him what to write. Um, they're definitely not laymen because the terms on, on the letter were were definitely legal. I mean, they use words such as herein and, you know, yeah. and, and forthwith and all that legal mumbo-jumbo. Um, so I know that the person that wrote those notes on that document or, or told him what to write was a legal-minded person. But he brought that document to my office with the notes on it. I made the amendments, and I delivered two copies of those documents to the cabinet on Tuesday morning as per his instructions. One was for Senator Faye and the other was for Premier Cannonier. And it, it's absolutely, imp I mean, you know, anybody could, could try their best to make me believe that Stephen DeCosta might have acted on his own. But, you know, I cannot expect that the minister and the Premier at that time would just expect this document to come out of the blue and it hadn't been negotiated and all of a sudden uh, 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 an exchange for my waterfront contracts, or your trust's waterfront contracts, I should say, and a possible sovereign guarantee for, I believe it was 50 to $60 million, would just all of a sudden appear, you know, in, in the name of the minister and the premier at the cabinet office at 9 a.m. with no, no, prior dis no prior discussions? You know, where does that stuff come from? 
To your knowledge, when these meetings were going on, the meetings that you have detailed, and I'm not talking about the ones where the other ministers may, were present. I'm talking about the meetings that were taking place uh, that, that were arranged, according to you, by Stephen DaCosta, uh, between yourself, Minister Fay, and then uh, Premier Craig Cannonier. Uh, to your knowledge, was anyone else aware of these meetings? Was the cabinet aware that they were meeting with you, to your knowledge? That Stephen DaCosta was or the other, the other ministers? That Stephen DeCosta was arranging these meetings with you no. Uh, no. To, to meet up with the then Premier no. and, no. and his minister? No. I, I would get, you know, either a signal to email certain people and request, you know, official meetings um, if, if they were required. But How did you know the difference between an official meeting and a non-official meeting? Was there a distinction? Civil, How do you know? Civil service. Civil servant will be in an official meeting, and unofficial meetings, no civil servant. How many times would you estimate that you met uh, with uh, Premier Cannonier, then Premier Cannonier, and his minister, Minister Fay? How many times estimate unofficially, meaning there were together no civil Together or, or separately? Well, well let, let's do together first, and then we'll deal with the separate. I can't call. I'll be honest with you, either one I can't call. Okay. Uh, so it was. A few? And it would be hard for me to recollect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was a few. It was a few. Quite a few. Yeah. In, in terms of civil servants being present. So I can uh, count this. <laughs> yeah. So it was, was it more unofficial oh, definitely. Than, than official? Definitely. Yeah. How many official meetings, meaning there were the civil servants there taking notes, all that good stuff? And other, you know. Um, I would say maybe, you know, at, at best 10. Okay. So there were more, uh, 10 is kind of a, a, you know, pretty meaty. Well, it was a long period of time, yeah, and uh, we're talking about so two significant projects as well. So, so 10, what you would characterize as official meetings, meaning the, the civil servants were there, you were sitting across the table. So there were more than, as you're saying, that you've met unofficially more than you've met officially. So then you, we're talking a bare minimum of 10 meetings that you met unofficially mm -hmm. without the benefit of, of civil servants being there. Um, discussing the waterfront issue, mm -hmm. and I and I you know I could simply say to sort of clarify that if if you look at other developments that are on the island and the official meetings that they've had versus the official meetings that I've had, it's it's night and day. You know they they've had their proposals you know submitted to cabinet. I was always told to, you know, pass me a document and, you know, I'll pass it on to somebody else and, I'll, you know, we can see what we can do type deal, which I, you know, I knew to some degree that that was putting me at a disadvantage, but, you know, again, the same people that are giving me approvals are uh, uh, relaying this message. What was I supposed to do? If I require permission from them, you know, they're instructing somebody to instruct me in that manner, what else could I do? And I've been told I got to talk to this guy. That's Stephen DeCosta. Who told you you had to talk to Stephen? The Premier. The, oh, pre the oh, then Premier. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Told you that you had oh, to talk yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. When When did he tell you that? Do you recall the time frame? Early, early in the, the, the discussions. Yeah. So when you say early in the discussions, because you said you handed over the documents very shortly to the Premier, if I'm understanding you correctly. Those documents in reference to the waterfront lease now, those documents, did it include a copy of the lease? No. No, it did no. not include a copy of just the lease. Just the proposals. It just the proposal for. Yeah, okay. Exactly, for some reason. Stuff like that. So that would have been late December after the 
that you had that conversation? I, Maybe I, late December, early January? I believe it was a Friday after the election. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, shortly thereafter, the, the general election of 2012, you handed over those documents. You had a, a conversation with the premier, the newly elected premier, mm -hmm. on this on this issue. Yeah, what, what I think really happened was Did that. he tell you then that you had to talk to Stephen DeCosta? No, no. DeCosta called me the next day. Okay. Yeah. Um, so did he, at that conversation, the initial conversation that you had with the then premier, uh, were you handed over the, 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 uh, the documents outlining what your plan was? Did he say you would be receiving a phone call from Stephen Acosta? Did he indicate that you would hear from Stephen Acosta the next day? Or? No, no. no. Um, they were all at, at dinner. Mm -hmm. Ming, there's Alexander Ming, Acosta, you know, they're all friends and premier, and, and I guess they were all celebrating or whatever they were doing. Um, I was at the office working, and I got the call to come there, which was like eight, it was yeah. eight late in the evening. I went there, um, and I was told to bring the documents, which I bought. But I don't think at that point in time, the cost was involved or was intended for him to get involved because, again, I don't think the premier knew what I was bringing or what mm -hmm. I had in my possession. Uh, uh, Alexander Ming had probably just told him, look, you know, I know this guy, Mike McLean, you know, whatever. Um, and he's got these developments, and I think, you know, it'll be good for Bermuda and, you know, whatever. I want you to meet the guy. Okay, prior, prior to this meeting with the, with the newly elected premier, prior to that, did you know Stephen Acosta? Yeah, I did. He, he used to deliver, he ran a business called Eden Run, um, and he used to deliver food to our job sites. And in the initial part of my business, I'm, you know, we're talking about 15 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, I used to be on site most of the time, you know, and I used to be there working for my staff, and he used to come and deliver this green truck with this large fancy horn, come and deliver sandwiches and drinks, mm -hmm. and, you know, we'll buy, buy them off the canteen truck from him, and that was the extent of, of my so relationship. You, so you hadn't had, prior to that, you hadn't had any business dealings oh. with him, other than his truck coming to your sites and, no. and selling sandwiches? No. And, and the only other time that I, I you know, he... he because I'm in construction. Once I went to uh, a house he had in Williams Estate to look at excavating a bank out shortly after I had bought, and that would have been in 2008-2009. Um, and then the other time I looked at a property he had up in Rock, I think it's called Rock Garden Lane in, in um, Harrington Sun, a property he was just getting ready to, to have, uh, or he was getting ready to build, and he wanted me to give him a quotation on, on the building. Okay. That's, that's the extent so of the relationship. So that was, yeah, that, that was it. it, well, it I, as I said, I can call him on one hand how many times, you know, we met outside of of, of work environment. So then you did not have a uh, a friendship with, with Mr. Beanie. I'm not saying you were enemies, but it wasn't like you were going out, you knew him very well, and you would hang out, and you would do business yeah. together. It wasn't that type of relationship. No. I knew who he was. I knew, you know, his, his wife brother and I worked together. I knew who he was like through that, but not not like, you know, our kids played together or, you know, I like, went out and had a drink with him or anything like that. You know, we just knew each other in passing, as it were. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, did, did you ever at any time, and I'm talking now specifically um, uh, about the waterfront, did you at any, any time say that you wanted to meet with anyone else privately in reference to this issue? Any other ministers? So I wanted to meet with them privately? Yeah. No. Did you at any time the ever, any, any or did anyone acting on your behalf say that? And, and, and when I say that, um, either that would be either uh, someone like Mr. Ming. Was, was Mr. Ming, for clarity, Jerry Ming, was he, is, is he 
Was he working with you or was he working with government? I'm a little bit confused uh, he, about he, that. He was a subcontractor. He's a subcontractor. Uh, yeah, he was a you know one that would provide services and air conditioning, plumbing, okay. and so forth, a mechanical subcontractor. And he was a part of our development team with a, an international okay. So contractor. So he wanted to see the development go ahead, so he got some of the work. Okay. That so was to your name. knowledge, to your knowledge, at any time did Mr. Ming contact any of the the ministers uh, and say that, uh, speaking on your behalf, that they wanted to meet privately, I, even no. on the waterfront thing, or or even the Parliament thing, for that matter. No. To your knowledge. <laughs> to tell you the truth, this is what's crazy about this. I shortly after that, I received a message to cut off. Um, my association, you know, with respect to this contract with Mr. Ming. Yeah. When you say shortly after that, can you give us a time frame? I, I can't say exactly, but I was told by, and I'm <laughs> saying this, what it is, Mr. DeCosta told me that the Premier told him that I need to leave Jerry out of the deal. You need to leave Jerry out of the deal. Did he explain as to why he nope. was relaying that message? Nope. So this message came via Stephen DeCosta from the then Premier Craig Kennedy. Mm -hmm. No. According to you, okay. No. And I told Jerry that, that that took place too. I told him, I went and said, like, look, this guy, you know, he's saying this and saying that, and and this is what, you know, what I got to do, and no hard feelings type deal. No. Alrighty, so, but you don't recall what the time frame of, of that instruction would have been? No, no. Right. Well, hey, thank you. <laughs> I tell you, we've got a lot to absorb. Thank you so, so much. Your, 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 your final, yeah, your final thoughts. What, what has it been like for you, uh, just personally and professionally, going through this? What must be an extremely stressful period of time for you? And then, uh, what are your overall thoughts in terms of what do you really want the public to understand when all is said and done? Because so much has been said about this, so many accusations have been flying both ways. What do you, how has this impacted you first, both professionally and uh, personally? And then what do you want the public to know? Well, I mean, I've gone from, you know, and I'm, and I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't want to pass blame because I'm a, a one that seems to think or likes to think that I, I have broad shoulders. Um, so I take a lot on on my own. I, you know, most people that know me know I don't sort of cry poverty or... or Look, look for help unnecessarily, but I mean, you know, going from what was a business that you know that had the turnover I've had over the years to to where I am now, it's it's humbling, and uh, you know, I, I I look at it from that perspective and not from the perspective that I've lost all of this because you know that's what most people come to me and say that you know, man, you know, I feel sorry for you, blah 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 blah, and I try to keep a positive outlook because you know my family's there. They're still intact, you know. My wife's. <laughs> oh, let's just take a moment now. Um, just benefit, um, Mr. Mr. McLean is now. Um, he's uh, breaking. Can someone from the back office, please, if Jean Ann, if you're out there listening, or Mrs. Blakeney, if we can get, uh, if we can get some tissues for Mr. McLean. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, you are well, well enough. Uh, I wanna. Well, I could just, I could just wait. Uh, sure. Okay. But here you go. You know, you it's can... difficult for, you yeah. know, for my family to stand by and watch. You know what we've had to go through. It's beef. So. And as a man that, as mm -hmm. you know, I've set, set up, you know, a, a standard Thank for you. myself. Stay strong, Mike. 
on that note. Thank okay, you. Uh, I'm not I'm not a, an emotional person, sure, but when I think about you know things that are outside of my control, and my family has had to endure because of other people, you know, taking advantage of of people in situations. It bothers me, and I'm you know. You know, most people would say, look, just react to it or do this or do that. But you you have to try to pull yourself together and do the best you can do no matter what situation you're in. I can't believe I'm crying on the radio. I, I'm a guy, I can tell you, 99% of the people that know me have never seen me cry. I've cried probably two times in my adult life. But it's not anger. It's just, you know, I guess I've carried it so long. Sort of by myself and insulated my family from it to, to make sure that, you know, I'm so do. <laughs> what I need to do. But, it, you know, it goes on. Right, and I'll, you know, I'll leave her today. I'll wipe, wipe my tears and I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep fighting. And that's, you know, that's my advice to people is don't give up. You have to go to the end, and and when it seems like you know that it's all going to be lost, that's the time that things are normally going to turn. So just keep going. And I'm not look. I'm not here to incite any divides between color and you know all that stuff has come to me and gone. I don't take you know this this thing as as a, a race thing. I, you know whoever's doing it. Is, I mean, even people that ain't cabinet, they same color as me, and they, you know, they, they made the decision. They, you know, they all collectively made that that decision to do what they've done. So for me, it's not it's not that. It's about what's right and what's wrong, and what's in the best interest of everybody. And and I've, you know, I've tried on many occasions to do what's right. And you know, it always seems like this, you know, this they call it the big machine comes and turns things in one, one way that, you know, that is not good in the way that it, it should go for for the, the, the people in general and, and, and you know, in my, in my experience because I would have thought that from, you know, from the time that we got the waterfront development and I went to the government and said that I'm, you know, I'm willing to work with them, you know, whatever their plans are, we could, you know, we could collaborate on this thing together. That they would have, you know, welcomed the, the, the prospects of that with open arms and said, look, you know, this is sort of what we have planned. It's, if that could work for you, let's do it. But it never happened. Uh, that that opportunity never came about. You know, there was not even a a a, 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 a smidget of of you know that sort of of, of 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 effort to work together on this thing come from the government. And and I think, you know, from, from that perspective is unfortunate that, you know, people, and I would say innocent people, because like I consider myself to be innocent, you know, not, not that I haven't done anything wrong in my life, but in this particular inter- instance, um, that if, you know, if, if people are sincerely trying to do something good, then you've got people out there that are, you know, are trying to block, you know, skim off something off of the top, and yeah, that's the way the world is, but when it comes to the better good of, of everybody, then 
you know, you, you have to fight. I mean, and that's, that's why I'm taking this thing as far as I have, and I haven't simply gone away as, you know, even some people come to me and say, look, Mike, just, just drop this case. You know, you, you, you spent how much money already? You're not going to get anything out of it. It's the government. You know, they're going to they're just drag you out and, and burn all your, your legal expenses. Well, what else do I have? I mean, I've, I've already lost my house. You know, I've sold, you know, the majority of my business is assets. And I'm so embroiled in this thing that I can't even concentrate on my business as well as I used to. You know, and, and as we know, there are certain, you know, people that control, and I wouldn't say control, but, but distribute the majority of the work on this island. Once you're sort of blacklisted or, or being viewed as somebody that's involved in something like this, all of that, all those opportunities dry up for you. I mean, I'm not here to boost on what my accomplishments are, but most people that are in the industry know, you know, what Eminem started at and where they ended up as or where we were, you know, before all of this took place. And now, because we entered into some contracts that, you know, we, this is business that we do every day. It's, it's destroyed my company. And, you know, and, and fortunately, again, you know, I've been able to, to insulate my family and, you know, that they're so supportive of me and it hasn't affected them. But, you know, for, for most people, that's not the way it's normally good. It's not. I thank you so much, Mike McLean, for stopping by uh, today. We'll get back to the phone lines. Smokey Norville, I need you now. We'll highlight some of the things said by Mr. McLean in just a moment. Not a second, another minute, not an hour, another day, but every moment with my arms outstretched, I need you to make a way as you have done so many times before, through a window and open door. Thank you. 
Norfolk, I need you now. 